0: Welcome to episode 26. I am heavily caffeinated, which I think will uh, play into this episode very nicely. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If this is your 26th time, welcome. Let's talk about some life updates. So first of all, thank you to everyone that came out to the Trifinity Show out in Denver um, a couple weeks ago. I haven't done an episode in a couple weeks because I got COVID and I was very sick, but I am completely healed now. I am back. I am back. It didn't hit me as hard as I feel like it has hit a lot of people, probably because I was, uh, I got a, you know, a newer strain, so it was a a bit weaker, but it still did put me out. I still did experience, like, two days of pretty serious sickness and then probably, like, four days after that where I was just kind of like, blah. Um, during those days, I was able to write the majority of this story where I was just kind of in like this, you know, I was, uh, I was like physically not feeling great, but my mental capacities were still intact. So I was like, I can be productive and do this. But anyway, I digress. Um, everyone who came out to the Denver show for the Trifinity show, thank you so much for coming out to that a few weeks ago. That was the most surreal um, show I have ever been a part of. The Fillmore uh, was packed out, and Spongle was amazing. Um, all of the other acts that played were amazing. They had dancers. They had The whole place was covered in artwork from wall-to-wall, live painters, and people who were making sculptures, and people who were just doing VJ work and things like that. It was seriously mind-blowing, and I am just... Super thankful to have been a part of that experience and to act such a fool on the stage. Our whole stage performance was um, the silliest thing we had ever written and coordinated. And we really just wanted to push the envelope with how far can we take this performance. And I was waiting for the moment where they were going to be like get get off the stage or we were gonna just get kicked off the stage, so that moment didn't happen we d- we did our whole set and we played all of our music and we did all of our antics and I had a lot of fun um and we we honestly uh we wrote a lot of new music for that set so uh I think we had like six new songs that we that we that we debuted um during that set you can find it online the whole set's on YouTube if you just look up the Trithinity in Denver, um, October 2023, it, the, the whole set was captured, and it's, it's live on the internet, so, if that's something you're interested in checking out, go check that out, um, so, let's see, how, how did, what happened after Denver, um, well, Denver, yeah, Denver was crazy, there was a blizzard, people trekked through the blizzard, and, I think in some areas they got up like 17 inches of snow. So seriously, if, if you came out to the show at the Fillmore in Denver, like, thank you. Because I know that was a labor of love just to even make it through the door. And what, there was like a line around the, around the block. People were trudging through the snow to get inside. So I really appreciate everyone who turned out for that show and, and made it what it was. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. After that, I came home, uh, some friends came from New York, and I hung out with them for a few days, and then after they left, I, uh, (laughs) the day, the day after they left, let me, let me preface this, because this is the whole reason that this episode exists, um, our cat, Muffins, had been missing for a little over two weeks, and we had put up signs all over our neighborhood. We had put up posts in like social media lost pet groups trying to find him. And we were just, we were looking everywhere. We were we were um, utilizing all of our resources trying to find him. And we just could not find him. And we were starting to honestly lose hope that we were going to find him. We were kind of coming to the to the crossroads where it's like, well, maybe he wandered off and died because cats do that. They will just, you know, once he was, he's an older cat. He's 16 or 17. We're not 100% sure because he, he lived here under our porch when we moved in and he sort of adopted us. So, but he's an old lad and we were like, maybe it was his time and he just wanted to go somewhere and, um, didn't, you know, cause like I said, cats do that. So anyway, I do. Th- this is all happening during, uh, you know, even before this Denver show. We lose muffins. Muffins is missing. We're putting up flyers. We're we're trying to find them. We're we're on this we're on this crusade to find muffins. Um, I do the Denver show. Another week passes, and then it's it's. Mo- a Monday after like two and a half weeks I'm like okay I did this show I you know had friends over and like I'm gonna go on this hike I'm gonna clear my head I'm gonna like just go out and um take a breath so I'm out in, in nature I'm out by this lake it's like luscious and the, the wind is blowing and everything and I get a call from my partner and she's like you are not gonna believe this but I just got a call from a vet in Chicago, Illinois. And to give you some context, I live in southwest Ohio in a town called Dayton, which is about an hour north of Cincinnati. So we're about five hours away from where this vet is calling. This vet's actually north of Chicago, and they're calling and saying, muffins is microchipped. So they're calling and saying, we got this cat in. Someone brought this cat in and we microchipped it and you're, or we, we uh, scanned it, scanned its microchip and your address and phone number came up. So Muffins is up here, <laughs> Muffins is up here in Chicago and I get this, I get this phone call from Mallory and she is telling me this, I'm out in the woods and I'm just like, what? Are you serious? Like, are you joking right now? This, our, our, our sweet cat boy we've been looking for for weeks somehow made it five hours away north of Chicago and we just genuinely have no idea how he got there no clue at all whatsoever he our guess our best guess is that he jumped in the back of a like moving truck and they closed the door up on him and they mo- they took off to Chicago Or maybe someone in our neighborhood found him and was like, oh, this is a stray cat. I'm going to take this cat in. And maybe they moved up to Chicago and maybe Muffins wasn't having it. And he was like, I'm leaving. I don't care. I got to get out of this house. Um, But he was staying. The people who brought him in, he was staying with uh, such a sweet, um, nice lady up there and her uh it was her and her her mother who lived in a small apartment above her they were taking care of muffins and their uh grandchildren were coming over and playing dress up with him and pampering him and giving him all the treats and snacks and she even sent us home with, like, a little hat and little toys and everything. And we were like, oh, this is so sweet. So he was very well taken care of. There is, like, there's, like, a week of uh, where we don't know where he was. We have no idea where he was at. But for for, like, a week and some change, they had him. And then they took him into the vet to get his shots and everything. And they're like, oh, while you're here, let's scan him for, for, to see if he has an address on file on a microchip. And that's when, when Mallory got the phone call. So the moral of the story is get your pet microchipped because it does work. If your pet, if your pet winds up uh, missing, you could get a call weeks later uh, from many hours away. <laughs> you know, like, And also just don't give up hope in general if you have a lost pet. Just don't give up hope and make sure if you're listening to this that as soon as you can you get your pet microchipped. And I, um, so I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's because the last episode I made of this podcast, I wrote a short story and, um, I don't know if it's because I've been talking about writing on this podcast quite a bit recently because I have been writing a lot and it's, it's taken up, um, a big chunk of my creative time is writing and it's been really fun writing short stories and I plan to share more here on this podcast and I plan to keep writing the book that I'm writing and it's just been it's it's been it's been fun and I have this sort of like I don't even know I I guess I wouldn't consider myself a writer. It's more of, like, a hobby. I have this disjointed version of what I think writing is or, like, what I what I understand of the whole process. And I know everyone has their own creative process with every creative endeavor, so I'm just honestly winging it when it comes to writing. But I, I don't know if it's for X, Y, or Z, but I have had a uh, a decent amount of people messaging me saying you should write a story about Muffin's journey to Chicago. And I had one, it one came in and I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. And then a handful of other ones came in and then I was like, should I do this? And then I was, and then I got a few more messages that were like, this story's crazy because I put a post online, some pictures of Muffins, sort of like a PSA, like get your pets microchipped. This is our story. And, uh, a decent amount of people were like, you should write this story of how he got there. And I wanted, I wanted to do that. I was like, how am I going to write this story and make it entertaining? Like, I can't just say, uh, you know, Muffins got locked in the back of a truck and then wound up in Chicago. <laughs> so I decided to write a fantasy epic about Muffin's journey to Chicago about how he wound up there and like what 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 could have possibly brought him there I like I said I wrote the majority of it while I was uh sick with covid so it it gets it gets wild it gets off the rails and I don't normally I haven't done this on this podcast yet but this story is way longer than I thought it was going to be when I started writing it. And when I looked at how many pages my last short story was, which was about an hour, it was like an hour and some change, this story is like double that. So instead of giving you like a two and a half to three hour long podcast, I am going to split this story up into two podcast episodes. I have not done that yet on this podcast. I haven't had a part one and a part two Although there are a few where I feel like I should have, but I'm going to do that with this episode just to break it up and make it, um, make it a little more palatable for the listener. So this is going to be part one of this story. Part two will be out very soon after part one. Um, I'm not planning on having it be more than like a week between when I put this one out and the next one. So I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger. Uh, heads up you're getting you're getting put on a cliffhanger for this episode, but the resolution will come very soon afterwards. And I never thought I'd be writing uh, a fantasy short story about my cat. but here we are. You never know the twists and turns that the creative process uh the creative journey will take you on. So without further ado, This is the second story that I will be releasing on this podcast. It is called Muffins and the Whisker Stone. South Park, a small neighborhood nestled on the outskirts of Dayton, Ohio. Buses run around the perimeter of South Park, and you can hear the hustle and bustle of the city if you're near the edge of the neighborhood and listen for it. Dayton is a unique city full of real people and a captivating sense of diy permeates through its culture it's not the biggest city sometimes if you want something to happen you've got to make it happen that's not to say dayton doesn't have its bougie downtown boutique shops or corporate high-rises it has all of that it's very much a city and very much feels like one south park however feels much different It's a historic neighborhood that feels like it's been existing in a sphere of its own for decades. Almost all of the houses were built before 1900. They're all painted interesting colors. Pinks, bright greens, oranges, and yellows. There are parks and playgrounds scattered throughout the neighborhood. Kids laughing and community gardens. There's a piano set up outside one of the parks amongst an enormous bed of sunflowers and lilies. South Park is magical, not only to the people that live and visit there, but to the many cats that wander its streets, and trust me, there are many cats that wander its streets. One such cat goes by the name Muffins. Muffins is an older gentleman, but the dearest and sweetest cat. He was born under the porch of a home in South Park, and his neighborhood was his world, When his family moved in the vacant house that was attached to the porch Muffin slept under about a decade ago, he was apprehensive to introduce himself. He'd lived in the streets, and although he loved humans, it was always best to proceed with caution. Muffin's hunched down and squeezed out of a trench under the burgundy latticework that lined the bottom of the porch one morning. His new tenants had just come back from the grocery store. Would this be his moment to approach? Why not? He thought. The sun shone through the branches out front of the house, and the light speckled the sidewalk with a black and white, obtuse, asymmetrical pattern that mirrored his own. No real rhyme or reason to it. Blobs and speckles of black and white. This is where he laid. Perhaps the sun camouflage will help them to see me, but not be shaken by my presence, he thought. He was the sweetest gentleman after all. The family did notice him, and as they carried their groceries, they knelt to scratch his stomach and give him a piece of blueberry breakfast muffin they were sharing. Muffins found his name that day, and the family that had moved in adopted a new member. Muffins' sweetness became very apparent to the family, very quickly. Every porch sit or backyard fire now included the cat, and his presence added to the already immense magic the neighborhood had for them. They built him a bed on the porch, which included a big, cozy pillow. Muffins cherished his new bed, and when he wasn't keeping tabs on other cats patrolling the neighborhood or getting pets from people walking by, he could usually be found there. Eventually, winter came, and winter in Ohio usually means cold, not the kind of cold anyone should be out in, especially felines as sweet as muffins. So the family let him in and for the winter months, muffins got cozy inside. He'd purr and knead while he was pet and scratched. White snow would coat the streets and yards outside, and light would cast through limbs once again, forming black and white patterns that mirrored the coat of the family's newest member. His coat was unique, but perhaps more unique than that was the pattern on his nose. Right on the tip, it looked as if there was a black Breaking heart. The two sides of the heart falling left and right, and an almost lightning bolt crack right down the middle. The family would often make comments about it, wondering if someone had broken Muffin's heart. The winters stayed cold, and the springs and summers stayed bright and vibrant. Years passed, more spring porch swing cuddles, summertime scraps from the grill, and autumn fireside warmth, and of course, wintertime indoor hibernation. Muffins began to notice, after a few years, that South Park felt different. The screech of the buses seemed louder. The sweet smell that hung in the air seemed dulled. The sunflowers didn't look like they were growing as tall, and the liveliness of the other cats in the neighborhood seemed to have dwindled a bit. To humanize, these changes were subtle. Those who did notice chalked it up to the growing population of Dayton. Maybe various pollutions, or maybe other negative factors a growing city population has on its surrounding neighborhoods. Although these changes progressed under the radar of most South Park residents, there was one that took full note of them. Muffins. He saw and felt the changes strongly. This was his world, and he noticed even the slightest details. Beyond the slightest details, he noticed the shift in energy. The playfulness and the mood of the neighborhood seemed to be diminishing. Some friendly and happy-go-lucky cat friends would now turn away or scowl at him as he approached. Other younger and well-to-do cats seemed to be losing their vigor and youthful vitality. Ten years passed. Muffins grew closer to his family, and they became closer to him. However, this pattern of dwindling beauty and falling attitudes continued all the while in his neighborhood. Winter was ending, and Muffins was hopeful that once the snow melted and he was able to stretch his legs and fully emerge from the warmth of his home, that things would be different this year. Finally, those lingering gray winter months moved on, and the smallest pops of green buds started to form on the bare trees around South Park. Muffins started sleeping on the porch again. And on nights when it was usually snowing, it would now be raining. Spring had finally emerged. A soft belt of rain was passing through, and you could hear it tickling the shingles on the porch above Muffin's bed. He sat, yawning, basking in the warmth of the spring night air. This was a warmer night than usual, even for the spring, and the smell of the rain on the grass that wafted up onto the porch delighted him. How did I get so lucky? He thought to himself as he began to lick his paws and clean his head. Muffins! A voice rattled from under the porch. "'Muffins stopped his cleaning and looked quickly to the edge. "'Surely just his imagination, "'the sound of the rain getting the best of him. "'Muffins!' "'It came again, this time louder and with more authority. Who? "'Who's there?' Muffins called out hesitantly. "'A pair of yellow eyes popped over the edge of the green porch "'and stared at him between the burgundy spindles. "'For a moment, all Muffins saw were those eyes.' floating there in the darkness, gazing into his. Then he realized they were the eyes of a black cat. A cat as dark as the cloudy night itself. Oh my, you'd better get onto the porch before you catch a death of cold, Muffins cried out. The cat's black slender body leapt up through the gaps in the spindles and sat on the edge of the porch. She said nothing, just stared and then began to clean herself. Tongue to paw and paw to head, without any thought of Muffins or how she had startled him. Muffins looked around, confused, down to his bed, behind him, and then back to the mysterious black cat. Is there something I can help you with this fine evening, my friend? He asked, cautiously. The black cat made no reply. Muffins waited a moment, and then brought his paw to his mouth. Ahem, he coughed. The black cat was startled out of her cleaning. Oh, oh, yes, sorry, she said in an embarrassed tone. My name is B... She stopped, raised her head, puffed out her chest, and began again in a tone that held authority. My name is Blackberry. Her eyes seemed to glow in the night, and as she spoke, the wind felt like it had begun to pick up. Muffins was mystified. All of these years in South Park, and he'd never seen a cat quite like her. Hi, uh, my name's Muffins, he managed to utter through his amazement. This is my porch, and, um, I was just out enjoying the sound of the rain. Uh, uh, what brings you to this part of the neighborhood? The black cat's wide yellow eyes shrank to a sliver as she whispered, You. Me? Muffins replied. I can't say I have ever met you before. If... ''If I have, I do apologize. There are a lot of cats in this neighborhood, and and I have a hard time.'' Blackberry cut him off. ''You haven't seen it?'' she said pensively. Muffins paused for a moment, his eyes now narrowing as well. ''Seen what?'' A bit of thunder rumbled in the distance. ''What timing?'' Muffins thought. Blackberry replied with astonishment. ''The prophecy, the markings, all across Dayton.'' You're the one. The markings? Muffins replied, confused. I don't really leave South Park much. This is this is all I need, and there's far too much traffic all the way downtown and under bridges, and, and there's just too many buses. I don't really like the smell of... Blackberry cut him off again. You have got to come with me, Muffins. There's something you have to see. Muffins' eyes widened as he pulled his ears back. Blackberry spoke again. We must go to the Second Street Bridge. Muffins was shaken by this. To the Second Street Bridge? Me? And at night, of all times? No, 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 no. I'm just out here enjoying the sound of the rain, and I had no plan of making any special trips tonight. Certainly not there. Why Why would I, anyway? Blackberry stood up and slowly moved towards Muffins, swaying as she did so. I know you've noticed things she said in an almost whisper. Her eyes were staring into his as she moved very slowly closer to him. The grass isn't as green, the children not as cheerful, the other cats not so friendly. Muffin's eyes widened. You've noticed too, he said with amazement. Of course, she replied. I've noticed, and I've been searching for answers, looking for clues, Things like this don't just happen for no reason. Sometimes they might? Muffins asked, more than said. No, Muffins, they do not. Blackberry replied flatly. I know, Muffins said. I just really wanted to hope that this year everything might go back to normal. This is such a great place, and I was just thinking, maybe if I hoped hard enough, things might change back. Blackberry's expression softened a bit. That's very sweet, Muffins, but unfortunately, I don't think this problem can be solved with hope alone. How can we stop it, then? Muffins asked earnestly. That is what I'm trying to explain to you, Blackberry replied. I've looked all over the city, asked every cat I could. Some dogs and squirrels, too. Most don't seem to notice what's going on, but a few have seen these strange markings pop up around the city. Graffiti and strange murals and weird places that all paint a similar story. They've shown me. I've seen it. And now you need to see it, too. Trust me. I've seen graffiti before. Murals, too. Muffins got in. Blackberry straightened her stance and widened her eyes. Not like this, you haven't. She paused for a moment as her eyes narrowed. "'You're in them,' she whispered. Muffins looked confused. "'I'm right here.' "'I know you're right here, Muffins,' Blackberry replied quickly. "'But you're drawn in these pictures, too. "'There's a cat with markings just like yours. "'The one on your nose. "'Trust me. "'It's you. "'I told you. "'I've been asking around for some time, "'and over and over again, "'the ones who have noticed the graffiti in the murals "'refer to you as the Chosen Cat.' You bear the markings, Muffins, the broken heart. That's just my nose, Muffins replied. Blackberry sighed and breathed out slowly. This spring might be the one that turns for the worst. There's no telling how much time we have left. I love this neighborhood, and I know you do too, but if you really care about its future and the well-being of the other cats and families that live here, you'll come with me and have a look for yourself." Her tone softened a bit. South Park needs you, Muffins. Muffins looked down again to his bed for a moment. He thought about South Park and the family. Then he looked back to Blackberry and nodded. That nod spoke many words without Muffins needing to say any at all. He stood up and stretched, one of those long, arched-back feline stretches. Then he yawned, shook his head, and stepped out of his bed. Blackberry stood up and turned to the stairs of the porch, She looked back at Muffins, and then they were both off, into the darkness of the night. There was a bus stop not far from South Park, and since it was night, there wasn't much traffic or humans to evade. It was raining, but the two cats found every opportunity to duck into any bush or under any awning to keep themselves mostly dry. And by the time they reached the bus stop, the rain had slowed to a gentle mist. The bus stop they ventured to sat at the corner of an intersection. It was small with one bench, but it was covered. And luckily for them, the light that usually illuminated it had burned out. It was nighttime, but the buses still ran. Not too many people, but since this particular bus station sat at an intersection, all they'd need to do is wait for one to get caught by a red light. Blackberry leapt onto the stop's bench, muffins quickly behind her. The bus? Muffins whispered, astonished at Blackberry's plan. You know the bike racks on the front? Blackberry asked. Those are for bikes, Muffins replied matter-of-factly. Do you think many people are out riding this time of night in the rain? Blackberry replied in a whisper. Just then, the light changed from green to red, and you could hear the brakes of an approaching bus begin to engage. This is our chance, Blackberry said in a whispering yell. As the bus stopped, Blackberry Muffins quickly jumped from the bench and into the bike rack that sat afront front the bus. Luckily, there were small metal plates in the front of the rack that they could use as windshields. Muffins was terrified, but he did his best not to show it. He made every effort to stay away from all traffic at all costs. And now they were sitting on a bus? A bus, he thought. He didn't have much time to think about it before the light turned green and they were off. "'whirling through the streets at an intense speed. "'There were rattling and shaking bike rack mechanisms "'all around them as they hunched very low. "'This is your plan?' Muffin shouted alarmingly. "'Trust me, this bus goes right by the 2nd Street Bridge, "'and there's an intersection right there,' Blackberry shouted back. "'And what if the light's green?' Muffin shouted. "'If the light's green, we'll ride it to the next stop, "'or the next light, and we'll walk to the bridge from there,' she replied. Muffins didn't like the sound of that. Walking around that close to downtown in the middle of the night, he'd heard stories, strange happenings, stray dogs, loud cars, and too many lights. Hey yo, so this is like the middle of the show, and I wanted to, first of all, thank everyone for dialing into this podcast. I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that you are sharing this experience with me. If you'd like to support the podcast, leaving a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to this on goes a really, really long way. Also, if you are able to leave a review for the podcast, uh, that also goes an an extremely long way. Uh, Another way you can support the podcast, other than just telling your friends and family about it, is signing up on my Patreon. There is a link in the description of this episode and all the episodes or you can just go to patreon.com and search for mount analog mt period a-n-a-l-o-g-u-e you get early access to podcasts early access to my music um, early access to art and all kinds of other cool stuff however you support i cannot thank you enough infinite 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 thank yous i love you Infinite blessings to you. Let's get back to the podcast. But what choice did he have? Go back to South Park, sit in his bed, and wait for his neighborhood to fall to pieces? No, that wasn't an option. Besides, he'd already jumped on the bus. This is it, Blackberry shouted amongst the cacophony of rattling metal, wind, and traffic. They were approaching the Second Street Bridge intersection, and the light was yellow. Come on, stop, she shouted. They were approaching the stop quickly, and Muffins became tense as he was sure the bus was going to go right past it. But to both their surprise, they felt the brakes begin to engage just before the intersection, an abrupt stop that caused both of them to slide forward and collide with the cold metal bike rack plating. We don't have much time! Move! Blackberry shouted. This clearly was not her first bus ride. The bus came to a stop, and they quickly leapt from the bike rack to the curb. They had made it right to their stop, the 2nd Street Bridge. It was a bridge that didn't connect 2nd Street to another part of the city, but rather a bridge that went over top of 2nd Street. It was a bridge for a train, concrete and very old. It was slightly crumbling, but for the most part seemed pretty intact. As cars passed and illuminated the underside archways with their lights, Muffins looked around, half-distracted thinking of dogs or humans that might come by, He couldn't pay much attention to what he was looking at. Also, it was loud as cars came through, and their engine sounds reverberated off the concrete of the bridge. To him, this was chaos. So different from South Park. He looked over to Blackberry, only to see her sitting, calmly looking up at the graffiti and murals. "'How can you make out any of that amongst this insanity?' Muffins cried out. "'Oh,' Blackberry began. "'This isn't where the prophecy is. "'This is just some street art on the bridge.' Muffin's brow furrowed, and he leaned in. I thought you said it was on the bridge. Blackberry's eyes shot down quickly, and then back to Muffin's. In an apologetic tone, she replied, Well, it's actually in the bridge. I thought it would be hard enough to get you to the bridge, so I may have omitted a few details. Muffin's eyes widened, and once again his ears went back. Excuse me? he said quickly. In the bridge? How is there an in the bridge? You go over a bridge. You go under a bridge. You don't go in a bridge. Blackberry stared at him for a moment. She felt a little shame for not divulging the entire truth of the situation. I know, Muffins. I'm sorry. Just follow me and this will all start to make sense. She walked quickly over to a slightly rusted metal fence that was attached to the bridge. It separated the sidewalk from a long and narrow patch of extreme overgrowth that ran down the length of the bridge. Probably put there so people didn't try to climb the bridge, but surely host to urban animals and potentially some humans. The fence had a hole cut in the bottom, about two feet high. Coming out of that hole was the end of a corrugated metal drainage pipe. Muffins both closed and rolled his eyes. Oh, no, no, no. I already know where this is going. We're going into the pipe, aren't we? Blackberry replied in an assuring tone. I know it seems sketchy, but trust me. I have a friend that lives inside. He's really nice, and he'll welcome us. Muffins just stared at her for a moment. Okay, I get it. This is this is just some kind of joke or something. I really have had a lot of fun, but I'll just be on my Blackberry cut him off. You're stronger than this, Muffins. You're braver than you think, and you can do this. Just trust me. Muffins let out a sigh, and his expression changed from doubt to confidence. He looked from Blackberry to the pipe. Let's go, he said with a flare of bravery in his voice. They entered the pipe together. It had been raining, so water was rushing along the bottom. They straddled the sides of the pipe as they went to avoid getting their paws wet. Who is this friend of yours, anyway? Muffins asked his voice reverberating down the dark tube. He's the head of my order, Blackberry replied in a hushed tone. Muffins was confused. Your order? That's right, Blackberry began. You see, there are guardians of the cat realm. We are somewhere between sages and wit. Her explanation was cut short. Blackberry? A loud voice pierced the darkness of the pipe. Muffins stopped in his tracks and Blackberry looked back. That's Sushi, the friend of mine, she said with excitement. Blackberry moved forward and pushed aside a piece of fabric that Muffins hadn't seen before in the darkness. They went through, and the pipe opened up into a massive concrete chamber. It looked like a cave that had been carved out of the concrete. Twine fell from the ceiling all around. Knotted through the strands were various trinkets and pieces of debris. Some looked like glass, others' screws and coins. Some, however looked like strange artifacts or relics from an unknown time and place. The arched walls of the chamber were covered with drawings, etchings, and graffiti of all different colors and sizes. There were several metal buckets all throughout the chamber that had holes drilled in them. Each one held a small fire, and their lights flickered and illuminated the surroundings. Sitting atop a massive nest of varying fabrics... Some ornate, others more plain, and natural beddings, sat Sushi. "'Welcome, friends!' he bellowed with a laugh. Muffin's was in awe of Sushi. He was an enormous, white, Himalayan cat. His flat nose sat above his wide, smiling grin. Those bright, round, glowing blue eyes seemed to peer into Muffin's soul as they looked down at him. Sushi's hair was otherworldly, too." both in vibrance and how it flowed around his body, seeming to float rather than lay in any particular direction. Among the many things Muffins was now questioning, he wondered how hair that white stayed that white, considering the circumstances of these surroundings. Sushi spoke again in a confident yet friendly tone that seemed to be that of mystical nature. He exuded an aura of wisdom and mystique. I am Sushi my young friend, seeker of ultimate truths, keeper of peace in this realm. He flicked his tail and began to purr, leaning forward, elbows on the ground, resting his head between his paws. Muffins was put at ease by Sushi's charm and playful nature. He leaned in close to Muffins, almost touching his huge head to his. And you are the chosen one he said with a wide grin that looked as though it were illuminated with a blue glow coming from within sushi. "'I told you he was friendly,' Blackberry said with a smirk. "'I—I don't understand,' Muffin said. "'Blackberry's told me that I'm meant to fulfill some kind of—of prophecy. "'I'll help however I can, but I'm afraid I haven't the faintest idea of where to begin.' Sushi jumped into the air, almost seeming to float upward. He did a backflip and landed back atop his mound of fabrics and beddings. I can show you, he whispered, still smiling. Follow me. He rolled down his throne of fabrics and feathers and assorted materials and threw a piece of fabric that hung from the side of the wall. Muffins was startled. He had no idea there would be an opening behind that fabric and expected Sushi to just collide with the solid concrete wall. He looked to Blackberry. She nudged her head towards the opening. Go on. He doesn't bite, at least not friends. I'll be here when you're finished. Muffins looked back to the still, swinging piece of fabric draped on the wall and began to slowly walk towards it. He got to the fabric and brushed it aside. Then he looked back to Blackberry. She had helped herself to a half-eaten can of sardines and wasn't paying any attention. I guess here it goes, Muffins whispered to himself. "'He moved through the fabric and took a few steps down the corridor. "'It was dark, and the light from the main chamber "'only traveled a few feet into this new area. "'Sushi?' he called out. "'Nothing.' "'Again he called out, "'Sushi!' "'This time with a tinge of apprehension in his voice. "'Suddenly there was light, not from a fire.' but from many hanging bulbs that fell from the ceiling. It was a soft light that illuminated a chamber similar in shape to the one he had come from. Shape was about the only similarity this new room had to the previous one. Also, this chamber was much, much bigger. Sushi stood on the far end of the chamber, smiling, his paw still on the lever that illuminated this new space. "'This is the Chamber of Visions,' he said." Things that were, things that are, and things that will come to pass. For eons, my order has sought to keep balance. We put our ears to the ground and our noses to the wind. The light is in a constant dance with the darkness. We are the protectors of the light and stave off the darkness. Muffins looked all around. Drawings and artwork were on every inch of the walls. Long tapestries hung like scrolls from the ceiling. Strange and mysterious artifacts sat behind glass panels. Stone cat statues were adorned with a variety of armor and weapons. Bookshelves were scattered about, holding ancient tomes, tales, and no doubt all manner of supernatural and magical knowledge. He walked around slowly, examining the walls, artifacts, and relics. Symbols and runes seemed to glow and certain images would move and animate ever so slightly as he walked by them. He was entranced by all of this, this history of peace and wars and creatures and light and darkness. Muffins didn't need anyone to explain to him that this was something beyond anything he had ever imagined. Each piece he passed was a brushstroke to a bigger picture. The weight of it all started to sink in. Muffins was startled. "'Isn't it mysterious and lovely?' Sushi had snuck up behind, unbeknownst to Muffin's. "'It's all so much. I have so many questions,' Muffin said with astonishment, still looking all around. "'I'm sure you do,' Sushi replied. "'I can't say I have all of the answers. Many of these pictures and objects were here even before me.' I have painted a picture in my own mind of how all of these stories come together, and I could probably spend a lifetime telling it. But that's a tale for another time. Right now, muffins, time is of the essence. Muffins smiled and looked at Sushi. I look forward to a day when we can have a nice sit with some tuna and milk and you can regale me with tales of your adventures and travels. As do I. Sushi replied, ''For now we make haste.'' Sushi quickly and surprisingly to Muffins pulled a bright green tapestry from the wall. It billowed to the floor with a soft thud. On the wall, where the tapestry once hung, was a scene unlike any of the other paintings or drawings in the chamber. There were sections to it, like panels in a comic book. The first one shone a bright, vibrant neighborhood, beautiful and lush trees all about, Children and cats running and playing, much like South Park. Then, in the next panel, there was an ominous figure, a cloaked cat with red eyes looming over some kind of black stone. Tendrils of black and red emanated from the stone and broke the frame of the next panel. The third panel was a different version of the first, the same houses and trees and streets, only now everything was gray and looked like it was dying. The children were crying, and the cats looked malevolent and angry now. The sky looked cloudy, and there were flames littering the streets and parks. Amongst the clouds in the sky sat the red eyes of the cat from the previous frame. All of these images moved ever so slightly, some of them more than others, but all of them animated in slow motion. The next frame shone a cat flying on the back of a massive eagle, a black-and-white cat, with a broken heart nose, just like Muffin's. Muffin's eyes widened at this, and his mouth fell open with astonishment. They flew over a huge city, towering in the night. One of its tallest buildings was striking to Muffin's. It was all black, and had white pillars that jutted from the top, white straight horns against the blackness of the night. The next few frames were chaotic, and most of the artwork bled from one frame to another. It was a battle. It looked like there were pipes and tubes and pools of water surrounding the battle. Underground, Muffins thought. There were many ghoulish-looking cats, if you could call them cats at all, swiping and jumping towards Muffins. Muffins wore a bright green cloak and swung a sword that collided with one of the cat fiend's black and twisted weapons. There were flames all about them, and amongst the battle you could see the menacing red-eyed cat from before the last frame was just the black stone from the second frame floating in space drifting through a nebula emanating a red glow from one side and a purple and blue from the other muffins was soaking it all in trying to make sense of what he was seeing when all of a sudden the lights began to flicker the chamber began to shake and small plumes of dust spat out from cracks in the walls "'Muffins panicked and hunched low to the ground. "'No worries, Muffins,' Sushi said assuringly. "'It's just a passing train going over the bridge above us. "'I often forget they pass at all now.' "'Muffins relaxed a bit and slowly started to stand. "'The train passed and the quaking and flickering came to an end. "'A short one,' Sushi said with delight. "'Muffins,' he began with a more serious tone "'than Muffins had heard him speak with before. This story is one of many that have been here before I have. From what I've gathered through my travels and research, this is more than just a story. This is a prophecy. You've been chosen to rescue this realm from the Whisker Stone. The Whisker Stone? Muffins asked in a whisper. Is that some sort of evil rock? Sushi laughed, and his once playful expression returned to his face. The stone itself isn't evil, no, but the stone is powerful, and it has fallen into the hands of those who wish to use it for evil deeds. Deeds that would extinguish the light and beauty of South Park, of Dayton, and of all the neighborhoods in the realm. Muffins didn't speak. He turned back to the moving story on the wall. Battles? Mystical stones? Monstrous cat creatures? How could he possibly fit into this picture? he thought. He turned to Sushi. What do I do, and why why me? Muffins, my sweet cat, Sushi began. You are the purest of heart, a soul that's been refined through the ages, an old soul that has seen battles before throughout time and knows the depths of suffering and empathy. No other is more qualified to take this quest than you, That, you can be certain. Muffins looked confused. He didn't understand. I know this is a lot, Sushi said in a now serious tone once again. But you're capable of amazing things. I've seen it through the pages of time and through the light in your heart. This isn't your first journey, even if you think it's so. He paused for a moment. As for the stone, it's a conduit, an ancient thing that has been here since before time itself. The rock? Muffins asked. The stone, Sushi replied with a smile. The whisker stone. Some say it's a piece of time itself. It can amplify the power and intentions of whoever holds it. Sushi blinked, and his eyes became beams of light. Muffins jumped back, startled. Sushi turned and pointed his beaming eyes at the last frame of the picture on the wall. The stone began to glow and spin. Sushi floated over to it and seemed to pull an ethereal form of the stone out of the wall. Not the stone itself, but a hollow, translucent, ghostly form of it. He turned and began to float back to Muffins. The beams in his eyes went out with another blink, and now they were glowing a bright yellow. He now sat in front of Muffins the stone form floating above his hand, now seeming to shift and mutate into all manner of shapes and colors. The whisker stone must be saved, Muffins, he whispered as the light of the form bounced off of both of their faces. Muffins looked into the floating, shifting form, lost in its beauty. He saw a tapestry of time, happiness, war, fear, pain, hope, celebrations, births, laughter, crying. The vision slowly faded, as did the form of the stone itself and the light it cast. Sushi's face was now very close to Muffin's. He was smiling again, and Muffin's still astonished gaze moved upward to meet Sushi's huge glowing eyes. Let's get you prepared, Sushi said. Sushi had been anticipating this meeting and had already prepared all of the provisions Muffin's would need. Packs of sardines and dried cheese— A beautiful green cloak that was embroidered along the edges with fine gold vines and leaves. He also fit him with brown, sturdy boots that would keep out any moisture or unwanted underground gunk. Who has the stone now? Muffins asked, as Sushi tightened the laces on his last boot. Someone who has fallen from the order, Sushi said gravely and sighed. My apprentice. Well, he used to be. His name was prince smoky but now he only goes by vogue he was an excellent pupil learned quickly and showed great promise as he rose through the ranks in our order but as he became adept in the skill of my teachings he became obsessed with the power of it all it drove him to madness he lost sight of what we are and stood for slowly He sowed discourse amongst our people, turning cat against cat and manipulating the minds of others to join him. He knew of the stone in this chamber, and he stole it years ago. Before it was stolen, there was a balance, a peacefulness and a beauty that has been slowly dwindling away. But you already knew that, Muffins. You already felt it slipping from South Park and from Dayton. He paused for a moment and looked to Muffins. We're not the only ones. He's been dimming the light all across the world, slowly. He's been amplifying his hate and jealousy through the Whisker Stone and corrupting neighborhoods everywhere. Right now, we're at a breaking point. If Vogue isn't stopped, then our realm will continue to spiral into darkness. You share the markings with the hero on the wall, and now that you're here, I can feel it. You are the Chosen One. Muffins sat and thought, just a little while ago. He was sitting in the comfort of his soft bed, listening to the fresh spring rain. Now he was being told he was a mystic being with a destiny to save all cats and humans alike. This was heavy, but he could feel it. He could feel the pull of his destiny calling him. Muffins knew in his heart that Sushi was right. This was his perilous journey to take. Another train went over top, and the lights flickered again. Just one more item, Sushi exclaimed delightfully as he tightened the final string of Muffin's boot. He clicked open a chest that sat nearby, a sturdy old chest made of strong wood. Light poured from the top as Sushi reached inside. He pulled from it a sword. It gleamed in the light that came from the chest. Nestled at the bottom of the handle was an emerald gemstone, Markings and symbols were etched up the middle of the blade from the base to the tip. Sushi knelt in front of Muffins and presented it to him. "Here you are, Muffins. Your sword." Muffins did not know what to do. "This this is mine?" he asked politely. Sushi smiled with his wide sushi smile. "It's yours. From quests in your previous lives. It always comes back to you." Muffins reached out with caution. "'and picked up the blade. "'It felt so familiar to him. "'This was indeed not the first time he had held it, "'but he had no memory of ever seeing it before. "'It was light, so light that it seemed to bear no weight at all. "'Still looking at the sword, "'Thank you, Sushi. This is very generous of you.' "'Oh,' Sushi said, "'you needn't thank me. This is your sword, Muffins.' Muffin swung it through the air a few times, and it made a swoosh sound as he did so. Faint whispers of old memories he couldn't quite recognize or figure out echoed through his mind. The chest swung closed, Sushi standing beside it. "'You must be off,' he said excitedly. "'Surely you're coming with me?' "'You know far more about any of this than I do, and and if Vog is half as powerful as you make him sound, I'll need all the help I can get.' Sushi turned from the chest and looked at him gravely. Muffins, I cannot go with you. Nor can Blackberry or anyone else. This quest is for you and you alone. The prophecy deems it so, and we are not to meddle with fate. Muffins didn't much like that response, but he understood. I suppose you know more about these things than I do. If I must go alone, I shall. The whole journey you won't be alone, Sushi replied in an optimistic tone. When Vog took the whisker stone, he ventured far away. He is a coward, and he knew the further he went, the safer he'd be from me finding him. He went far, but not so far as to evade my knowledge. I have scouts everywhere, and I have ways of finding such things out. Sushi paused. He's gone to the land of Chicago, and so too shall you travel. He said, Shikwado? Muffins asked, confused. shi Sushi said, enunciating each syllable. It's far from here, but as I've said, you won't be alone for the journey. I've arranged a ride for you. Just then Blackberry poked her head through the fabric at the other end of the chamber. Hi, friends, she said in a tone loud enough to travel across the room. I have had an absolute blast sitting out here eating sardines alone and, of course, appreciate the hospitality. But, Sushi, when you told me to fetch muffins for you, you mentioned that time was of the essence. She said the last bit with a Sushi-esque tone in her voice. We're almost ready, my dear. Enjoy one last bite and we'll be right out. Sushi's tone quieted and he turned to muffins again. There is one last thing before you go. You will meet a guide. A guide. Don't look for her. She will find you in a time of desperation. She will know how to get into Vog's stronghold. Muffins, feeling optimistic but also realizing the weight of his journey ahead, said, Thank you, Sushi. You've been very kind, and I hope to someday see you again. Sushi looked puzzled and then smiled again. Thank you, Muffins, and you shall. Muffins and Sushi walked back out to the main chamber, just as Blackberry finished one last bite of sardines. Sushi looked to her and said, You'll be taking him to visit Clarence. Blackberry stopped licking her paws and looked up with disbelief. Clarence? Don't worry, Sushi assured her. I know usually birds of any kind and cats do not mingle, but he's been briefed on these unfolding events. He turned to Muffins. Clarence is the head of his order, just as I am of this one. We were able to meet on common ground and devise a plan for your safe passage to the land of Chicago. After explaining things to Clarence, he realized it was in everyone's best interest if we worked together. Clarence is a bird, Muffins asked. Clarence is an eagle, Sushi replied. An eagle? Muffins shouted. The head of the Order of Birds. He will do you no harm, Sushi replied in a calming tone. Muffin straightened his stance and pulled his head up high and straight. I believe in you, Muffins, and I know you believe in yourself, Sushi said with a burst of vigor and delight. He whisked away, back to the top of his throne of fabrics and nestings. You are ready, he shouted with glee. Muffins looked back to Blackberry and smiled. I am, he said. Blackberry and Muffin's left the chamber the same way they came in, back through the dripping drainage pipe. When they made it back outside, it wasn't raining anymore. It was later now, and there wasn't much traffic. But the buses were still running. Ah, excellent, Blackberry said aloud as a bus was pulling up to the red light. It was headed in the opposite direction they had come from. More buses, Muffin said disapprovingly. Blackberry looked at Muffins with a playful pity. "'I've been told where you're going. There are many buses. Probably best you get used to them.' The brakes came to a squeaking halt. "'Come on!' she shouted. As they had before, the two cats took the bus, sitting on the bike rack. They headed through the city, lights and cars whizzing by, horn blasts streaked around every corner." Bars were letting out, and mobs of people stood on the sidewalks, looking for taxi service drivers or laughing and yelling. Every few blocks, there would be someone on a corner with a cardboard sign. Muffins marveled at the lights. Long strings of bulbs around the theaters, and vibrant neons out front of bars and restaurants that were still open to catch the late-night crowds. They went right through downtown and came out on the other side. It was quiet now. The loud cars and loud people were behind them. Streetlights pulsed by as they headed further away from the heart of the city and into the north side of town, more residential and full of neighborhoods. Some of them even resembled that of South Park. This was an environment Muffins was a bit more familiar and comfortable with. In a bit more of a relaxed state, Muffins asked Blackberry, "'Where does Clarence live?' "'Not too far,' she replied." There's a little nature reserve behind a park just a few blocks from here. That's where we'll find him. The streetlights continued to go by, and Muffins started to close his eyes. The air was warm, and the bumpy ride of the bus was oddly comforting him to sleep. Blackberry nudged him. This is it. This is our stop. The brakes squeaked to a halt, and Muffins and Blackberry jumped to the curb. They were pretty far away from the city now, one of the last stops on the line. Blackberry started walking, and Muffins followed her. In the distance, you could hear a few dogs barking. They passed through pockets of street light as they continued down the sidewalk. Trees, grass, warm air. It was nice to be through downtown and smell the air that wasn't polluted with all the exhaust fumes, Muffins thought. Across the street to their left, they passed quiet homes. Some had porch lights on and others had a soft glow coming from lamps or lights inside. Most of them were dark. It was late and most people were in bed by now. They were on the right side of the street, and to the right was a hill that went along the length of the street. A hill to the top of the levee. The Stillwater River met up with the Miami River where they were and ran right through Dayton. It was higher than usual from the spring rain, Blackberry motioned to the levee top. Let's head up there. The two cats climbed the side of the levee and began to walk along the top in silence. Some blocks passed, and a few cars drove by. For the most part, they moved unnoticed. Some birds flew overhead, one or two at first, but then more. Muffins began to notice and look up. Some of Clarence's scouts? he asked aloud. Blackberry started walking faster, and Muffins picked up his pace to match hers. More birds flew overhead now. The clouds from earlier had moved on, and you could see the patches of birds flying faster and faster overhead as they crossed through the light of the moon. Blackberry's brisk walk had turned into a trot. Sushi said he told Clarence we were coming. I don't understand. We're going to have to book it, Muffins. She began to run with Muffins close behind. Suddenly a bird swooped down and nipped at Blackberry. Ah! She cried out. They were sprinting now. Muffins swerved left and right to evade falling assailants. They ran past a large wooden sign that read, Weggers and Gardens Ahead. Blackberry, breathing heavily and panting from the run, cried out, That's it! We're almost there! They saw it, the tree line at the edge of the park. Leaping from the levee down to the street below, they ran across the street. Birds still swooped towards them. Now some of them were squawking and wailing as they did so. One of the birds had muffins in his sights from above. He locked on and swooped down, aiming to peck out a chunk of hair or skin from his head. He swooped low and was coming up from behind. Muffins didn't see him as they entered the tree line, and the bird didn't see the tree that was in front of him as he slammed into it at full speed. The rest of the birds either pulled up before making impact or smashed into shrubs and tree trunks echoing a thud through the brush. Muffins and Blackberry ran for a moment more, but then realizing they were safe, slowed their pace. There weren't any birds behind them anymore. They stopped and breathed slowly. Once their adrenaline faded a little, they were able to analyze their surroundings. They could hear crickets and the soft whisper of a babbling stream off in the distance. An owl hooted from a ways off as well. We should be quiet, Blackberry whispered. It was dark but not too dark for the finely-tuned eyes of a cat. You know where we're going, right? Muffin said in a hushed tone. Blackberry looked insulted. Of course I know where we're going. In truth, she did not know where they were going. Off in the distance, there was a calamity. You could hear squawking and cawing of all different kinds. There was a smell of burning wood in the air. And as they walked, they could see faint glints of orange and yellow peek through the trunks of the trees. They were moving very slowly and quietly towards the lights. As they approached, the squawks and calls they had heard seemed to take on a rhythm, as if they were a song or chant. They were approaching an opening ahead beyond the tree line. The woods appeared to open up into a circle, and there were figures dancing and chanting around a fire that illuminated from the center. Birds of all shapes and sizes were singing and squawking in some kind of ritual Muffins and Blackberry hunched at the edge of the tree line, unseen, and peered through the gaps in the trees at this interesting sight. There were a few birds along the perimeter banging small skin drums, and many of the birds were wearing tribal masks that had face holes allowing them to see and allowing their beaks to poke through. The chanting and drumming got louder and faster. Muffins and Blackberry looked at each other. They dare not speak but their expressions told each other what they were thinking. They knew that these were the birds they were looking for. Clarence was surely nearby. The music grew faster still, faster and louder. The chanting became more intense, and the speed at which the birds danced and jumped around the fire became a run. The two cats' eyes widened, and their ears went back upon their heads. Suddenly the music stopped, It was completely silent now, with no drums or chanting. You could now hear the crackle of the fire and the crickets scattered throughout the forest. Boom, boom, ka! An unseen voice called out. An enormous hawk, bigger than any muffins had ever seen, wearing a long, ornate, painted mask, pushed through the tree line from the other side of the circle. The birds surrounding the fire moved and made a gap for him to approach the flames. "'Boom, boom, ka! he repeated, this time with the other birds returning his ka! It rang out loudly through the silence of the night. "'Muffins!' he shouted. "'Come forward!' Muffins looked at Blackberry, astonished. She nodded towards the circle. "'Really?' he whispered, amazed that she would suggest such a thing. "'We will not hurt you,' the eagle continued." Sushi has told of the prophecy. You are the one chosen to bring balance. This ceremony is one to bring good fortune and prosperity to your quest. Come forward. Muffins pushed through the tall grass and branches that surrounded the tree line and came into the circle. I'm here, he called out. The hawk removed his mask and laid it gently upon the ground. We know. "'Our scouts have—' Blackberry quickly jumped into the circle as well and cut him off. "'Your scouts nearly pecked us to death. "'If that was supposed to be some kind of welcoming, "'you are in desperate need of learning manners, Clarence.' "'He looked at her seriously and apologetically. "'I am sorry. My scouts do get ahead of themselves. "'Rest assured that they will be reprimanded for acting out of fear rather than rationale.' "'Clarence took his wings and smoothed his feathers down.' Sushi said you would come. We, too, have noticed these diminishing times, just as you have. The springs aren't as warm, the bugs not as bountiful. Trees seem to yield less nesting materials, and we struggle to find an upward breeze to place our wings upon more and more each year. He spoke of the whisker stone and that your quest was one of grave importance. Muffins looked confused. The whisker stone affects the birds, too? It affects all, Clarence replied. There is a harmony between all life, and one creature never suffers alone. All exist in a web, and all are bound to its destiny. Muffins took a deep breath. I suppose you're right. I was foolish to think us cats any different than you. If we've come on hard times, and the humans and other creatures in South Park have, surely you have as well. "'Indeed, we have,' Clarence said gravely. "'Let us not waste time speaking of things we already know. "'Sushi has told me that we must be off immediately. "'It will be a long flight, and the longer we wait, "'the longer we—' Muffins interrupted him politely. "'Excuse me, did you say flight?' "'I have never been on a plane before, "'and I have no idea how you expect us to—' "'Clarence began to laugh, a deep, powerful laugh.' A cat and a hawk mingling with humans on a plane. No, no. I'll be flying you there. Muffins looked shocked. Birds and cats weren't exactly friends, and now one was telling him he was to ride on his back across vast distances. Clarence moved closer to where Muffins was standing and knelt down to him. I know our kind have their differences, but I trust sushi. He is the head of his order, and I am the head of mine. He sees that this is a matter that affects us all, and that our only way through it is cooperation. You must see that too, Muffins. Muffins looked up into the hawk's eyes. They were old and wise, and held no ill intentions. You're right. Let's be off then. Clarence nodded then turned and knelt low to the ground. He turned his head and gestured to Muffins to jump on his back. Blackberry walked to Muffins and put her paw on his shoulder. He turned to look at her. Thank you, he said. You've been such a nice cat, and I dearly wish you could come with me. Blackberry smiled. You're going to do great out there. Just remember that you're strong and far more powerful than you realize. Be safe, and when you get back... I want to hear all about it over a can of sardines. Thank you, muffins. Then he turned and stepped onto Clarence's back. The birds surrounding the fire had themselves knelt and were chanting a low, rumbling tone. The drums were now softly rolling, adding to the rumble. Suddenly the drums became faster and louder, and then they stopped once again. Clarence shouted, Boom, boom, ka!" And they returned with a roaring ka. Muffins and Clarence shot up into the air, passing the treetops below with immense speed. Muffins was shaken by the speed and angle of his ascent and moved closer to Clarence, grabbing hold of feathers and hanging on for dear life. His angle eventually leveled out, and Muffins now sat flat and low on the hawk's back. It was more cold at this altitude, so Muffins wrapped himself in his green cloak. Clarence shouted back to him, Get comfortable, my friend. It's a long way to Chicago. Rest. You'll need your strength in the morning. Rest? How could I? Muffins asked with amazement. As he peered over the back of the Hawk, he could see Dayton pass by below him a grid of sparkling lights dancing in the twilight of the night. They were moving away from it, and slowly the grid below became only a speckling of lights here and there. He was tired. All of the events of the day, or night rather, came hurling at him very quickly. Quests and stones and evil apprentices. He wanted to process it all, to think about what lie ahead, but he was exhausted. This was a far cry from what he had intended for his evening. A quiet night, listening to the spring rain on the porch, the warmth of his cloak, paired with the warmth of Clarence's feathers, was comforting to him. The slight up-and-down flaps of his wings, and the drift of the air pulling them forward and downward ever so slightly, was a calm rocking. Soon, sleep took him. Clarence flew through the open night air, knowing that the fate of their realm rests on his back. And thus concludes the first act of Muffin's journey to Chicago, Muffin's quest to reclaim the whisker stone and save his realm if you've enjoyed part one stick around for part two it will be out very soon i usually do a string of fun facts at the end of these episodes but since this one is a bit more of an audiobook style episode i'm gonna omit the fun facts for this one thank you for listening to this creation i really hope you've enjoyed it I want to encourage you to keep creating in whatever capacity that means for you. This was a lot of fun to write for me, and I know some of the details of the story like I made this one take place in spring, and I kind of um, I kind of changed a bit of the details of when and where and how muffins took his <laughs> started his journey i don 't know if you noticed that or not, <laughs> but um, I hope you 've been enjoying my retelling of Muffins adventure. Stay tuned for part two. Until then, remember to check on your mental health. Check on the mental health of your loved ones. I'll see you guys next time. Bye.